And there came a day, a day unlike... Wait, no, that's been done. Hmm. Who knows what evil lurks and... No, that is that other thing. What has yellow skin and rights? Ah, forget it. You're listening to Panelology. Excelsior, oh, damn it. Welcome to episode 154 of Panelology. I'm Alex. And I'm Brian. Hey, we're back. We are back. Just the two of us this week. We can make it if we try. We uh, can. <laughs> just the two of us. We're never not going to make that reference. Oh, my word. Um, so how I, was your fortnight, Brian? Um, my fortnight was really good. I had a excellent time at a wedding uh, at, a, at a beach, which was a wonderful getaway for the weekend. Yeah. And then I uh, had a pretty good week, and I uh, can't complain too much. Yeah. Cool. And for the first time in, like, I don't know, like four months, I got all my comics read this week. <laughs> For the first time in like a week, I didn't. <laughs> Fantastic. Excellent. Yeah. Um... <laughs> For my part, I enjoyed the Broadway reunion of Peter Parker and Norman Osborn. <laughs> okay. I saw Hades Town ah. when I was in New York, <laughs> which is absolutely phenomenal. Um, I had listened to the London recording a couple of times, or tried a couple of times. It's good. It's fine. It it clicks with me better now that I've seen it staged. Yeah. But the American orchestrations are bluesier and jazzier and different. They've got this kind of like New Orleans vibe to them. Nice. It was amazing. It's like, I think the longest I've ever had to watch Watch actors on Broadway hold for applause at bows. Wow. But Orpheus was mm-hmm. played by uh, uh, Reeve Carney, okay. who is not the actor who I used to always think he also was. Because sometimes two people are different people. Yeah. Right. Um, and Hades was played by Patrick Page, and they played Peter Parker and Norman Osborn in Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. I'm <laughs> happy for them and sad for them at the same time, yes. Hey, they had nowhere to go but up once they, <laughs> once they found a working lift system that wouldn't maim anybody. <laughs> wow. And uh, this was phenomenal. The, the, uh, I heard somebody at one point say something about, well, I mean, superheroing is dangerous work. And I was like, no, just don't. <laughs> That's not how it ought to be. Hey, don't tell that to uh, to uh, Gwen Stacy. Uh, uh, anyway. <laughs> yeah. Let's, uh, let's talk about some comics this week. <laughs> the original heartbreaking snap in the Marvel Universe. Oh. Damn, the first of many Parker Parker related deaths. Yes, Peter Parker's real superpower is that those he loves stay dead. I know, I know that. Uh, speaking of dead loved ones, War <laughs> of the Realms number one. Oh yeah, there's some dead loved ones in this, isn't there? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and some good, good Loki crunching. <laughs> Yeah. Oh my god. Loki's entrance in this was fantastic and <laughs> I I hope we get more of him. Uh, <laughs> only time will tell. I guess so. I mean, currently I don't think I want to see what's left of him, but you know. Hey, I I think he's got a couple of legs to stand on. Oh, I don't know about that. Um, and maybe all he has left to stand on. This was very, very good. I love I, this. I did Absolutely. too. I, I mean, it, it, it's Jason Aaron, which I, so I knew there was a real good chance I was going to like it. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is this is all that can be good about a big event book. Yeah. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, I mean the the big moments that started off feel earned out of the gate. I agreed. Um, um, we're gonna have to call spoilers on this at some point. I think to get into them but we, we definitely will we definitely will the big moments feel completely earned in mm-hmm. fact at least one of them probably like three or four episodes of this ago maybe a little longer we even said you know thematically structurally this moment has to happen and that yes. moment opened this issue it did yep um assuming that what we think happens happen yeah but, but i think it, uh, yeah at least the shape of it is there correct the shape correct. of it feels earned it doesn't yeah. even if it's not what happened it doesn't feel like oh well i 
I don't believe that this could be real because we've said that on here before. The, well, this this yeah. is just this is for shock. This is not a right real thing. Well, and here's the this thing: this could be one of the things I think that a good event book does, like when it's this a line wide event book, mm-hmm. is you have to pick a character or a uh, uh, corner of the universe yeah. that it has to truly have a changing effect in. Yeah, like it, like that. It can't be the same coming out of it as it was going into it. Yeah. Right? And this is clearly with Thor and his mythos and realm. I mean, it's War of the Realms with yeah. all of the... Right, yeah. Malekith is the bad guy. Well, like, we know a lot of this going into it, right? Yeah. And, yeah, so Thor has to be a different playing field coming out of this. And yes. there's no doubt it's going to be. And I found something out this week. I assumed that this would be the capstone to Jason Aaron's run. Mm-hmm. He has one more big arc planned after War of the Realms for okay. Thor. Is it like an epilogue, I'm guessing? He says it's another full big story. Oh, okay. It is It is not just epilogue. Okay, wonderful. Yeah. I'm um, excited about that. He apparently, someone asked him on Twitter, what's your next big thing after Thor? And he says, honestly, I don't know yet. I haven't decided because I'm not actually done with Thor after this. Okay. Um, And that he'll also, you know, keep focusing on his Avengers work too. Sure, sure. Um, The other thing I think this does really well is despite the big cosmic Asgardian scope, it does, I mean, at some level it's the, it's the most basic thing you can do in the Marvel Universe, but it does it in such a satisfying way. It pulls down to the smallest street level on top of a single building yep. and lets Spider-Man play with the gods. Um, and I would read a Jason Aaron Spider-Man book after this. It's it's like the... It reminded me kind of of the old um, uh, Luke Cage and Jessica Drew meeting on the roof and talking. Like, it's just that small level, but yet you know that it's, you know, Freya and Sif yep. and, like, the literally gods right <laughs> this by the way is what i thought was going to be your quote of the week this week brian what's that uh lady freya our building has been invaded by dark elves uh i see you already know that gods what manner of Svartalheim monster is this we should kill it before it lays its eggs relax hildegard he's a local just a very annoying one as you say lady sif still worried about its eggs i'd like to keep my eggs right where they're at thank you very much yeah, yeah and that's that in case you didn't get that's spider-man yes yeah Yes. Spider yeah. Spider Man is at his Jason Aaron quippiest best in this. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. He's like later when when all hell breaks loose and they're going all over the place and everything else. <laughs> somebody comes in and he's um he Spider Man swinging through and he talks to Cap and he's like, Hey Cap, I'm like an honorary god now. <laughs> <laughs> I also really enjoyed Tony Stark flirting with literal angels <laughs> yes. while they try to kill him. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I was it, like, it was so good and so bad at the same time. I was almost waiting for the, did your wings fall? Did you get hurt when you fell to earth? Me too. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, oh my God. It was so great. And, and of course, Captain Marvel calling him on it is just. That's what makes it. That <laughs> it is. is what, that is absolutely the thing that seals that. Yes. Um, uh, also, I'm happy to report I finally seen Captain Marvel. Oh, excellent. Yes. I'm so glad you did. I am too. Yes. And I almost made it without any spoilers. And then Amazon tried to get me to buy a Funko that spoiled something. What Funko? I mean, it's been out for a month. It's now. been out for a month. I'm going to yeah. call spoilers. It was a Funko of Goose the Cat. Okay. Which I had already heard early on that he was a flurkin. I did right. not know that the Cosmic Cube was going to be involved, though, and he had it, it in his mouth. Okay. Which, as far as spoilers <laughs> go, that one bothers me less, because sure. I don't love prequels, and I think the prequel elements of this were solid, but I care less about how those operate structurally yeah. than I do about the Captain Marvel Carol Danvers side of it. So that it's... was a fine thing for me to... As soon as I saw it, I figured out exactly how it fit in the structure. Yeah. But yeah. that's fine. Yeah. Um I mean we we can we can have a conversation about this movie later if yeah. we want, but yeah, that's a yeah. Um but I finally saw it and I enjoyed it a lot. If you're one of those people who keeps hating on it, get bent. Um <laughs> Yeah, so um yeah, and then Loki shows up and tries to warn them about some stuff and puts his mouth where his mouth is and uh, yeah. <laughs> Well, kind of his whole head and shoulders and knees torso. And toe. Well, not knees and toes. The knees and toes. Less knees good. and toes. No, they're still good. Um, um, Thori is good, good murder pup. Thori. Uh, I was going to say, and as if all that's not enough, we get Thori in like age three. It's, yeah. Yes. All right. So let's let's go ahead and call spoilers for this. Okay. Let's do it. We have pretty strongly alluded to what happens to Loki here. Yeah. 
Some might say Loki is a snack. Mm. That would include apparently his father, who eats him, who crunches him in half. Yes, yes, like a like an unpeeled banana. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, and that's kind of Loki's second appearance in this book. <laughs> yeah, the first time he shows up, he's in fact Malekith pretending to be Loki because he knows that that will bait Thor into. Which the fact that Malekith uses Loki to play a trick on Thor is like yes. the best. Yeah. Ironic twist of, yes, it's all good. All, all good. And the opening (laughs) moments of this, which we alluded to being the thing that we thought had to happen. Yes. It looks like Odin is dead. Yeah, so dark elves show up. You know, Odin basically is all alone still in Asgard. He's the only one there. Um, I I did like the airplane reference in this. (laughs) (laughs) By my own blasted eye, I sure picked a hell of a time to stop drinking. Yeah. (laughs) Picked a hell of a week to stop sniffing glue. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, but uh, uh, dark elf assassins show up and stabity stabity stab. Yeah. Yeah. They make with the Julius Caesaring. They do. Um, yeah. So and uh, again, I think it would not shock me at all if that is something that actually happens in this book. Yeah. Well, because it's the same thing we said back when we talked about number eleven. I think it yeah. was or number ten. Yep. It makes sense for him to die. It does because the thing that we have seen as the future of Thor is Thor the Allfather. I mm-hmm. mean, since the beginning of Eren's run, that has been shown as Thor's fate. Correct. So, intrinsic to this whole years-long run is the idea that Odin will at some point not just go into the Odin sleep, but actually die. Right. Um, and maybe I think this is that moment. I think this is it. Um, yep. And it feels earned. I mean, because of all of that, because of the things we said in that issue that focused on him, uh, this doesn't feel like a shock thing. This feels like a stakes yeah like i mean odin has been in this place where this kind of thing was likely to happen for months now yeah Yeah. and in some ways in some ways it's almost like he wants it to happen he sees no redemption for himself and he is tired and ready to be done yeah yeah yep um i I love spider-man's efficiency though yeah yeah, when uh, when when Loki gets crunched and uh, Ghost Rider says, "Oh my God, I think I'm gonna puke," and Spidey's like, "Well, aim that flaming puke at the enemy then." Yes, Spider Man, master tactician. <laughs> tactician, that's it. Oh, okay, fantastic. Yeah, I again really really enjoyed this book. I think it's the best way to do a big event book, and. I, I'm happy. Yeah. I mean, like, between this and and Infinity Wars, Marvel's doing really well with events lately. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Uncanny X-Men, number 15. Oh, my God. Talk about another good book. We got two, oh. two, two great books up off the, uh, right off the bat here. Yeah. Um... Yeah, I think um, hmm, there's something that happens in this book that makes me wonder if there is some sort of, I I doubt it'll be an actual tie-in, but a kind of nod to War of the Realms and kind of what's been going on. Is it a certain character's ascension to literal mythical beasts? Um, No. Oh. It's it's a it's someone's sacrifice of a organ to. Uh, I think we're talking about the same thing. Oh, maybe Cyclops becomes a Cyclops. Yeah, oh yes, okay, we are. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I got you. Yes, Cyclops. Beca- yes, you're right. They do mention it that way. You're right. Which yes. was kind of foreshadowed in the last issue. The it was. You ever thought it's weird that you only have that you're called Cyclops and you've got two eyes? Yeah. <laughs> Not anymore. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I, and the nod that I said I think of is you know the nod to Odin, right? Yeah. And the, yeah. The sacrifice and the becoming Odin one eye and yes. Yeah. Uh, but I, I I can't speak highly. Like if you like anything about the X Men, this is a book you should be reading. It is so so good. Like even the Captain America shows up and like is like the best representative he can be. Yeah. Right. Like he really is genuinely trying to help in the constraints that he has to work in yeah but they still can't trust anyone other than themselves yeah given that he has those constraints to work in right yeah and i mean the other thing too you get you get i liked that i really liked the hope stuff yeah i mean especially that moment i mean she is just gutted i mean she is mourning still right i mean that is where she is at absolutely and she is trying to honor cable by becoming cable and Mm -hmm. scott's trying to stop her and 
friendly. She says, look, he was your son, and that is fair. That is fine. That is legitimate. Mm -hmm. He was my father, but now he's gone, and there's no connection between us. Yeah, and we're nothing. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's... I think using a really complicated history in a very clean way. It is. That is also really grounded and emotional. And Given all of the time travel hijinks that happen and all of that, there really isn't a relationship at all between them. Yeah. Yeah. It's just so, I mean, and every piece of it, we talk about every issue, something awful happens to to multiple men again. But like oh, every man. piece of this feels considered in that way where like, clearly that is like a little bit running gag, but it's is also becoming this mechanical feature of mm-hmm. of of at some point he has to break at some point all of this has to be paid back somehow and where we see the multiple who is in this issue tortured essentially mm-hmm. like that's got to be coming soon i don't think that can hold much longer I, I don't think it can either you know who else i like in this book and as much as i liked him at the end of x-men red or not x-men red uh yeah i guess it was uh no astonishing x-men it was a astonishing havoc yep alex summers yes i had to do the math of what character was in this book and that book mm-hmm. well it's because like the end run of astonishing x-men he takes leadership of yeah a team right and his role in this isn't leader but it is essentially he's playing advisor to his brother yeah. in some ways yeah, yeah. and well yeah, that, yeah. Like, it works <laughs> which is a little shocking you know That's... like boy th- those summer boys what happened happened to them <laughs> there's also kind of a, a a similar moment in here that again in that fuck you scott summers kind of way i appreciated he asks wolverine's advice on something wolverine's what you actually want to listen to me yeah yeah i'm gonna try yes. something new <laughs> yep but and, and i think that is part of it scott knows who he has been yeah and is not shying away from that right yeah and i think that hey imagine that accept responsibilities for what you've done and people appreciate that go figure that? all right quick Quickly, because we yeah. said we wanted to talk about it, but because we're running a little long, two books yes, in already. I know. Uh, we had the announcement of Jonathan Hickman getting an X-Men run, which sadly probably will mean an end to this, but maybe this works because it's tight and working to a point. Maybe it does. Whatever, it, it, it works. So, yeah. But, but I, how, how you can't be more excited than Jonathan Hickman coming on to write an X-Men book. I, I am super excited for this for two reasons. One is, you don't put Hickman on a book if it's not not for the long term. That's just how he writes. Right. Yeah, he doesn't write a six issue arc and leave, no. Um, also, the promo teaser image gives us just so many like different alternate versions or changed versions of characters. Oh I thought of you as soon as I saw Magic, but with the metal skin. Yes. Um, but also, too, like the timing of it makes me think, I mean, he's so good at, like, this is a skill set, is taking complicated systems and simplifying and streamlining them. Mm-hmm. Not in ways that reduce their mass but in ways that make them more intelligible right he's not going to strip out history from a thing but he can make the thing accessible name a better time for that than as marvel's going to be looking at making x-men movies themselves yeah i mean well and given where x like the complication of and we say x-men the complication of the mutant piece of the marvel universe in the last 15 20 years well i have this i really believe that that i've said before at some level comics are concerned medium because you have to restore to a status quo right but i really believe that x-men more than any other piece of marvel has lacked the opportunity to evolve the status quo you look at something like avengers you look at something Mm -hmm. like spider-man the average person's understanding of what that is changes over time sure like the 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 zeitgeist of who those characters are the general common understanding changes over time anyone i've ever asked hey who do you consider the main x-men roster has named the Chris Claremont X-Men roster. Mm-hmm. Even that, if their point of reference X-Men. is the first X-Men movie, that's still so close. Yep. And those are 30 and 20 years old, respectively. Mm-hmm. So trying to tell X-Men stories in the comics becomes this juggling act of go to recognizable status quo, do something new, account for 30 years of history in doing something new, reset status quo. And it becomes this wider and wider pendulum swing back and forth. And I think that's why the X-Men comics have kind of struggled. I agree. And I think that Hickman's a really smart choice if if your goal is to try to get somewhere that is a solid ground to to start doing movies and start be a little more rec- being a little more recognizable and not be quite as beholden to 
to the monolithic version of the thing that is the roster that people remember and the characters that people remember. He's and a I good way to come in and like chop and screw and take parts of that and combine them in ways that the cinematic universe did with continuity and the ultimate universe and reinventing different parts for more contemporary storytelling and for a different medium. Yeah. I think another thing that's so hard about the X the the, the mutants and the X-Men is regardless of what great characters they introduce or who else they bring in those that claremont team is the characters that people want to see yeah and that makes it really really hard to do something else yeah and i think the only way you move past that or start to shift that is to have the other side of that feedback loop which is the movies able to kind of introduce new and change expectations and let i mean people who read comics sometimes get frustrated with movie changes making their ways back into the comics Mm -hmm. but that makes the comics healthier i think it makes it easier to not just for people to get on board but to evolve where that starting point when you do start telling story new stories begins from yeah well here's the thing and this is what excites me about this so much is if you look at the timing of this right so this new hickman stuff starts essentially at right after age of apocalypse yeah or age of x-man sorry yeah age of x-man ends right Mm -hmm. one of the things probably what i like most about these age of x-man books is that they don't have to deal with that history you can have the same characters but they can be different or changed and it's okay and you're accepting of it because it's in this other place in this other reality in this thing coming out of that i think is i think this age of x-man hopefully is going to allow a separation that lets him then take them and make some something new that is acceptable yeah we'll see yeah i think I'm, i mean i think I'm it's excited. a smart decision regardless I, of I all other pieces I yep. it's a i will i will miss this rosenberg run if it does indeed end yeah but i'm excited for what comes next after it too i am also all right brian mm-hmm. spider gwen ghost spider number seven i haven't gotten to it yet tell me about it um spider gwen ghost spider uh gwen establishes herself as a hero for hire so to speak nice (laughs) um uh, and make some clear decisions about how that is separate from being a superhero cool in the best ways i like where this book has been in the last couple of issues and i'm 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 disappointed i couldn't get to this one yet you will you will very much enjoy this one this one takes that and extends it even further it is it may be my favorite issue so far i'll also tell you what i really want to see happen i don't know if it will or not it would be a weird thing to do but Mm -hmm. Just because you've got John Jameson as Wolfman in, I really want to see Earth 65 Moon Knight show up to help fight him. That could that could be really, really fun, couldn't it? Yeah. Um Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, who is uh? Who is? Oh God, I, I'm drawing a complete blank. Who is his? Who is Mark's love interest slash um, baby mama? Oh, uh, uh, what is her name? I I'm blanking. All I can come up with is Frenchie, and I'm fine with that being the answer on Earth 65. <laughs> My point being, it would be as Gwen is Spider yeah. totem on this world. It would be interesting to see her as Moon Knight. I think, and that would make sense because she was there in Egypt yeah. when that all went down. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, anyway. That'd be cool. Immortal Hulk number 16. Um, we get, uh, an, another, there's a lot happening in each of these Hulk issues right now. Um, we get another big explanation about, uh, like what's happening with Rick Jones. Yeah. And how kind of Rick, it, 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 the first part of this, at least is certainly told from Rick's point of view, as far as his thoughts when he first met Hulk. Um, but as Bruce and then later Hulk and Doc Sampson investigate uh, the lab where Hulk was being held. Um, they start getting some answers, but they're not exactly what they want. Uh, we get our first look of what happened to Betsy, to Betty Ross. Betsy Ross. Wow. That was a Freudian there. Uh, to, to Betty Ross. Would you say that, that her spirits are flagging? <laughs> yes, I would definitely say that. I would say that wholeheartedly. Yes. <laughs> 
Wow. Uh, uh, um, we're such and, nerds. And somewhere, somewhere, wherever Jen is right now, she just looked up and went, dorks. dorks. <laughs> yep, she did. Um, and then our assassin who, well, who who killed Betty, essentially, um, shows back up and forces a change from Hulk back to non-Hulk. And now she what I call spoilers for the big reveal at the end. Go for it. It's not Bruce that he changes back to. Oh, no. Yeah, I won't tell you who it is. But... <laughs> well, I know what I'm doing as soon as we finish recording. <laughs> I'm eating lunch, and then I'm reading this. Right, and then you're reading this yeah. while you eat, maybe. Yeah, okay. Right. Uh, yeah, super, super good book. I Yeah, cool. th- they're doing a lot with this character right now, and I like it. Yeah, that Al Ewing. Oh, God. He's co-writing something soon. I forget if he's doing maybe part of an arc of Avengers or something. I do he's got, to remember that. He had something announced this week. Yeah. Um, I was unplugged most of the week, but well, he, I, they're, he's finishing. Up. He's part of No Road Home, right? He's fi- yeah, but he, yeah, there's but something that's finishing else. up. Yeah, yeah, there's something else. You're right. Um, section zero, number one, Brian. Um, yeah. you've been looking forward to this one. We've talked I about it a few have, times. Have um. This is a this is a new image book um, by Carl Kessel and Tom Grummet, um, who are two people I don't know that I'm super familiar with. I've read some of Kessel's stuff. Have you? Okay. Yeah. Um, this is essentially about a black ops team, paranormal supernatural team that operates for the UN, so it's international. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is 100% a setup story for them, um, in that you know they kind of end up recruiting a new member as part of what they're currently investigating and we get the tease for where they're going to be going next. Cool. Um, But... (laughs) Um, to give you a hint as to the tone of this book, um, the character that they kind of recruit, that they go after, is um, a human bug. Like, he literally has a carapace and multifaceted eyes and all this stuff, which he got from a very um, uh, Gremlins origin story. I was going to guess Jeff Goldblum bit him, but... He, he went into a uh, tattoo parlor in Chinatown and ended up with a tattoo of a of of, a, of an insect on his arm, <laughs> and then that tattoo power disappeared when he tried to go back to it. It wasn't there anymore. <laughs> and every time he rubs the the tattoo, he transforms into this insect uh, person <laughs> for one day, which uh, he says, guess he makes them a 24-hour bug. <laughs> oh. Well, you know, you know what I've always wanted <laughs> wanted to see this writer do do. What's that? I think that this writer ought to write a Han Solo book. I would enjoy Han Solo's Kessel Run. <laughs> Kessel Run. I knew that was coming. Wow. Um, yeah, it is It is. It is very... It has all the elements of a very campy type of book. Yeah. But it's done well. Cool. Yeah. So, yeah, it is not super high stakes, big plot, any of that, but I think it's going to be fun. Cool. I looked yeah. up what the, the new Al Ewing thing we were thinking of was. I had Avengers in my head because I thought Jason Aaron was involved. Mm-hmm. It's Jason Aaron and Al Ewing doing Valkyrie. Oh, okay, yeah. right. Uh, which will follow War of the Realms. Yes. Die, number five. <sighs> so, um, yeah, Kieran Gillen gives us in this, this is the last issue of the first arc, and we get the final big, huge piece of how the mechanics of this world are going to work. Um, And they are a little bit different. Um, <laughs> And then in the back matter, he talks about the release of the beta. So the way this is going to work is uh, I think they're off for a month after this. Okay. And then the trade comes out in June. Um, And with the release of the trade, uh, Kieran's going to release the beta of the rules for his the RPG that goes along with this. Will that be in the trade? Uh, They don't. He, he wasn't 100% certain how it would work okay um there is a there's a website that you can uh keep track on i think it's called like diecomic.com or something like that cool i don't know if i see it while i'm still talking i'll tell you um but essentially um it is you take the role of a person your character is a person and you know you kind of set up who this person or what their personality is like Mm -hmm. and then you role play that person role playing a character okay in the game. And the reason is because the decisions and the personality that your person has that you're playing have an effect on that character in that there's certain rules in kind of the real world, and I say real world meaning that first level of role-playing, that affect what goes 
on in the game world. Like you can, it, and one of the rules is if all the characters decide to leave and quit, they they leave. The characters in the second level all leave. Okay. And that's a big piece of it because it has to be unanimous. Cool. And there's ways that you gain or lose votes for certain things and <laughs> when you're eligible for to be voting and it, it it's super super meta and i can't wait to play this at some point <laughs> um yeah. yeah but the big thing about this is the the characters that are in this book both the human characters outside that you hear in their conversations of of the characters that are in this world now and the characters as they are in this world are both i mean kieran gillen nobody does characters better i mean maybe as well there's obviously some people that do it as well but he is so good at making characters that feel real and people yeah. that feel real um and it is just so damn good um yeah in some ways you might say um they they finished their big major quest in this book huh. yeah they cool. defeat the game master sure there's no way that could go badly <laughs> 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 yeah. So if you have not been picking up this book, like I said, we're we're through issue five now. In June, the trade comes out. Uh, I cannot highly enough recommend. Yeah, I will be yeah. getting it immediately. Yep. Young Justice number four. I think I said to you before we uh, before we read that I ha- I feel like I have no business enjoying this book nearly as much as I do. To which I responded, Yeah, you do. <laughs> Yeah, I do. It, it, it's fun. And the reason I say that is all of the characters that are in it are all characters that aren't part of my comic knowledge familiarity, with one exception. Tim? Nope. Cassie. I mean, I know Tim, and I've read some stories with Tim, but Tim, I was never reading comics when Tim was Robin. Amethyst? Yeah. Amethyst. Okay. Yes. I mean, most of these are characters, I mean, some of these are characters who are basically new, and a lot of these are characters who are really um, knowledge gap for me, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, like, it, I don't know Connor. I barely know Cassie. I know Tim. Okay. Um, I know. Right. Tim is the one that I know the uh, probably other, well and Amethyst has changed a lot. Yeah. I know Amethyst like when Amethyst was first introduced. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh back in the eighties. Yeah. But um uh, yeah, Connor I know super, super little. Cassie I know about that same amount. And Tim is the one that I know probably the most. Yeah. I don't know that I've ever read an impulse story. No, I mean I definitely haven't. I've seen them some probably in reading through like the Mark Wade or the Jeff Johns flash. Okay. And I've seen him pop up, obviously, a couple of times since Rebirth. Yeah. But that that's it. I mean, the Young Justice cartoon is the most I know of most of these characters. Okay. And I, I, I really like them all. I li- and I some... like where they're at, I think, is... It is. And to me, this is just a personal preference thing. Mm-hmm. Like, the thing that I kind of struggled with with the Titans book was how much it... How much it focused on the... the, the kind of the trauma of everything. The de- kind of the defeatist attitude almost yeah, the, yeah. It's, it was very much to me about trying to with both hands hold this thing together right whereas this is more like these characters can't not be together they they enjoy <laughs> working together they want right. to do this thing and it's just even when it's hard it's still kind of joyful for them to do this together mm-hmm. i think that's why even though like there are characters in this i don't know there are things that i don't know this issue in particular i'm not sure i totally grokked everything thing that's going on in but i enjoy it anyway because it's like the characters want to be in the story i mean that's kind of a goofy way to put it but well and i think the reason i enjoy it so much is they're they're wanting to be together and do this thing makes me want to read about these characters wanting to be together and do yeah. this thing yeah <laughs> yes um yeah and and that's exactly it and i i love this amethyst that they have put together yeah. in this book and i don't know if that's kind of where she was left from like i said i there's a huge gap in what i knew of amethyst from original and because yeah. I, I know they've redone her some well I get the sense from this issue that even back to the New 52 Amethyst, that probably, like, the world around her at least has changed enough that she's playing by different rules. Okay, see, Um, I didn't even know they were doing Amethyst in New 52. There was a... I actually... I mentioned this a a couple of episodes back and uh, checked with Adam, or Adam checked with... Or Adam touched base with me. There was an Amethyst book. It went, like, eight, ten issues. Um, I remember reading, like, the first issue or two of it. I don't know how like this compares to that though okay all right um but there was a book it was kind of short-lived its backup was beowulf okay yeah all right but uh continuing i love jenny heck mm-hmm. 
So much. I want to know what's in her weird 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo trunk. <laughs> Me too. Her Raiders of the Lost Ark uh, Ark yeah. of the Covenant box, yes. I'm just waiting for Vincent Price to hop out and be like, hello. <laughs> yeah, uh, super excited. Like I said, it's, it, this is this is a fun book to read. And here's the thing. It's not fun. Like, we talk about, like, uh, West Coast Avengers or uh, uh, Unstoppable Wasp and how yeah. fun those are to read. This is the same thing, and yet at the same time, it feels very, very... They're not pulling the punches from a superhero story, yeah. if that makes... I don't know how to describe that. Maybe it's the DC take on that. Well, Maybe I that's mean, what it is. I think what's telling is that both of the references you just made were Marvel books. Yeah, right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's why I said this feels a little different from those, yeah. but maybe that's because it's the DC... And that actually... Yeah. That, saying that out loud, that actually fits. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it feels maybe a little more like something you'd see on a DC animated series than a <laughs> DC comic. Might that be is the other a very way good it. way to put it. That is a yeah. very good way to put it. Yeah. I, uh, I like it. I do too. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. Justice League number 21. <laughs> we continue our six-dimensional romp. <laughs> Um, this and, issue uh, might have the coolest splash page of the week. Uh, the mix at Spitlick page. Oh yes, yes. Yeah, I, I will not disagree with that. You know what else this issue has, Alex? Brian's quote of the week. Yeah. Um, quote, quote. So Bruce and so Batman and Batman, <laughs> Bruce Wayne and Dick Grayson. Dick Grayson in the future perfect place, and uh, Bruce Wayne, our Bruce Wayne, Batman. Are in the talking, past preterite. Right. Um, are, <laughs> wow. Are sitting in this bright, beautiful Gotham of this new Nirvana world, right? Um, having tea and uh, kind of just discussing things and talking about how amazing it is that Gotham is like this and everything else. And um, Bruce is asking kind of about, you know, what happened to various people and all that and et cetera, et cetera. And he was like... Um, yeah, sitting here, you know, it feels good being a Gotham like this. And he, he looks at Dick and he says, hell, even this is, feels good. Tea. How many years did Alfred try to get me to make, to get me into his teas? Remember all the bat-shaped tea bags, his WWBD mugs, and every flavor was called justice. So you would drink it. <laughs> yeah. Every flavor was called justice. So you would drink it. <laughs> yes. I think that should be the title of Alfred's memoirs, Which Flavor Justice? <laughs> Which Flavor Justice? If nothing else, that's uh. our episode title. Writing that down now. <laughs> Which flavor justice? Um, and then we get Shane, who is Martian Manhunter and Hawk Girl from this future perfect place, um, trying to tell the Justice League what's really going on. Yeah. Uh, and we find out why he is stopped from doing that by Superman, who isn't Superman, right? So we kind of knew, and we actually got this. This, this we should have foreseen this coming. Yeah. Because a couple of issues back, when Mitsit Spitlick starts telling them about this sixth dimension he talks about the beings who operate there yeah and he mentions very specifically that there's kind of really only like three or four that operate here and hey what do you know it's one of them (laughs) go figure go figure i'll be honest though there was a moment when he's like i'm not really superman let me reveal my real face i expected it to be some kind of lex luthor (laughs) (laughs) that would have been cute um but yeah this is a great you know multiverse at risk spanning story worthy of just the justice league right yeah i really love yeah. this and we see who's jailing all the bad people in this future perfect place at the very end yeah so uh once they find out who's behind all this and you know obviously they can't support the destruction of half the multiverse to uh to have this future arrived at this even though it does look perfect yeah um they get sent to the prison planet which gee what planet in the dc universe would serve as a prison planet mm. Quar- Hard. Uh, that's well. That's in the antimatter universe, so that's really not what we're looking for. Yet. Oa? <laughs> nope, no. Nope, way too bright. Come on. No, it's apocalypse. Mogo. Of course it is. Oh, it's a it's apocalypse. Uh, but specifically, and I thought this was super interesting. They talk about how it's like way bigger than apocalypse should be. But don't we get, hold all the? Didn't we get in Justice League Odyssey that yes, Dark Side was trying to build a bigger, better, badder apocalypse? Exactly. Well, because apocalypse is gone yeah yeah apocalypse as we know it and in, in the prime universe is gone and so yeah well 
And, and it's not so even Prime is, Universe. Like Apocalypse and New Genesis right. exist like one per multiverse. Oh, you're right. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So um, they are gone. And yeah, we find out who the jailer on this new prison planet Apocalypse is. Master Jailer. Master Jailer. The head jailer. The chief cook and bottle washer of the jailers <laughs> on this universe. This is, yes. you know what, if I were the Justice League, and I'm saying this completely unironically, mm-hmm. this is probably the last person I'd have to want to fight. Yeah, I would not disagree with you. Well, and I'll, it makes me, there's a very specific... Unless I would take her on in a spelling test. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. It's fair. <laughs> Um, that's gotta be, that's gotta be sitting there in Bat's, Batman's box of how to beat everyone, kryptonite, <laughs> steal the lasso, spelling bee. <laughs> that's fantastic. Um, but there's a specific callback to, I think it was a Tomas, uh, was it, who was it that was doing action when they got kind of, ki- when, when they got kind of kidnapped and taken to Apocalypse? Do you remember that? Because um... Super, Superman and Lex ended up there and then Lois and John end up kind of getting captured and go there. It's when John rides Jurgens. on the war dogs. I think was that it? was still Jurgens. Yeah. Well, if you remember, Lois joined a certain group while she was there. Yes, she did. Yes. And it makes me wonder if this is a semi callback to that. It yeah. easily could be. Yeah. So very easily. Anyway, we'll find out. Uh, but super good. Yeah. Love, love the scope and the story. Yes. Brian, uh-huh. Hex Wives, number six. So do you remember when Jen and I were talking about how this really needed to be like a super cathartic payoff when when they finally figured out what was going on and who they were and all that? Not, not only that, but I also remember a promise, I believe, with the last issue that, oh, the next one will be bloody. Um, I don't know if it's bloody so much as Bernie. <laughs> No, wait, I'm looking through wait. it again. It's Bernie Sanders is bloody. in this? It's definitely also bloody. I did forget about the cat <laughs> who chews his way through someone and out their mouth. I did forget about that part. <laughs> oh, blemish? <laughs> um, is this a Magic Tavern crossover? Is blemish in this? <laughs> That's hilarious. Um, but yeah, they... They learn who they really are, and they come into their powers, and they're not going to take it anymore. This is the end of the first arc, and uh, yeah. Awesome. Super, super love these ladies now. Yeah. I have that song, we're not going to take it. Yeah, it definitely comes to mind, absolutely. Hey, Brian. Mm -hmm. Let's say that I am an 80s power ballad, and I need a hero. What should I dial? Alex. (laughs) You should dial H for hero. Um, yeah, this is, <laughs> this, you know what? Referencing an 80s power ballad is not a bad choice in this. No, did it's you not. Read, did you read this? I did. Okay, all right. Like, okay, first of all, before we go any, any further, I want to say, I got to find it, because where's where's my credits page for this? It, at the, it must be at the back. Uh, who did the art for this? Uh, oh, here it is, you... yeah. Um, Joe Quinones. Oh, yes. Yeah, and... Well, hold on, hold on. Uh, Quinones, yep, for... not Quinones. Joe Quinones is a different person. Uh, oh, is it? Joe okay. Quinones is a comic book artist. Joe Quinones is How to Catch a Predator. Oh, you're... <laughs> <laughs> Very good. That was a no, quickly read small type thing. Yes. No tilde. It's just an in, not yeah. You're right. You are not an in yeah. Yes. Okay. <laughs> All right. Very good. Um regardless, the art in this is wonderful. Yes. Even the the uh, the best way I can describe this is a blend of Liefeld and uh Kirby. Yeah. Is that yeah. a fair description of this? That is. So I think I mentioned it when we were talking about what I was looking forward to last week. But the the premise of this is every time they dial up a they dial hero on this dial they get a new like for all practical purposes a one shot hero that will never appear again yeah yeah and um and this one when he dials up he becomes monster truck. <laughs> You keep using that word "dial up," and every time I think, of, every time I hear it, I think about like a fifty-six K modem. <laughs> you know what? That, that may not be an unapt <laughs> comparison. Yes. Hang on, hang on! Don't punch me! Don't punch it... me! <laughs> well, I say that because it feels like the heroes you get that you become when you dial up this yeah. feel like they should come over a. <laughs> 
over an old analog modem. They all have their own angel fire angel fire pages. <laughs> like to the point, like let me tell you just how much this looks kind of like a Rob Liefeld setup splash page when we're introduced to this character. Are you going to say something literally... about sleeves or feet? No, I'm oh. going to say that there's a little square box that has a JQ uh-huh. 2018 for the artist that looks just like one of those little Ro- oh. Liefeld boxes. <laughs> yes, that's in it. Yes, yes, that's on the page. I no. was like, oh my god. Oh my, oh my. Um, whew, uh, you know what though? In spite of all that, I, I liked it. I like the the premises. You know that this new person gets this dial, mm-hmm. and uh, for the most part, I like the 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 girl that. <laughs> I was gonna say, I really like the the new friend who steals the yes. food truck for him. Steals the food truck. Yeah, exactly. Um, and all of the I I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to at some point investigate this and figure this out. So when he gets the dial and uses it, all of these people who I guess it somehow have been associated with it before. Yeah. Get a get this basically this four that appears on their forehead. Their spider sense tingles. Yeah, essentially. And like I can name all the characters that these that this is, but like I have no idea how they are familiar or in what way they are tied to the dial. I mean, I like the idea that it is it is characters who have been drawn upon from the dial, specifically because I need to know what issue someone becomes Alfred Pennyworth. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Or Snapper Car. Mostly Alfred Pennyworth. How much straight Alfred Pennyworth, yes. Also, I need to see the flip side of that. Does Alfred just get very messy and bad at making tea sandwiches <laughs> while that happens? Um, he, mm, You know what? He, he only makes zucchini sandwiches instead of cucumber sandwiches. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> that's, the, that's the problem, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that day, instead of justice, his tea is called doom. <laughs> that's it, yes. They're all flavors of doom. What flavor of doom would you like? Oh my, yes. Rocco's Modern Afterlife number one. That's all you, sir. That's all me. So, this book, I enjoyed. I enjoyed this quite a bit. We've talked about it before. Zombie outbreak in O-Town. Um, what is interesting to me is, I, I, I thought at first this book was going to be like, oh, okay, the zombie outbreak, instead of being, you know, disaffected society or whatever, is Gen Xers complaining about millennials sorry brian um and then you get kind of the flip side of it that is you know rocco trying to completely unplug and ignore the world around him while zombies are running around and heifer trying to find companionship because he can't get a hold of rocco and filbert in becoming a youtuber and it's almost a little mark russell in 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 its vibe and that it's not about any one of those things or any one flavor about of of the ways people become disaffected it's really just more like all these all these ways that we isolate ourselves all the way that we that we voluntarily become zombies not even I don't think I'd even phrase it that way. It's more like the ways that we cope with feeling pushed out. Okay, all right. And how maybe those are as isolating as the other thing. Like how maybe maybe there's such a thing as going too far in, okay. in carving out that space. Okay, which is so I, yeah. I see how you mentioned Mark Russell. This sounds like it could have been a Flintstones. Yeah, like it's issue, almost right? yeah. it's almost like yeah, I, I don't. I don't know that I've got any clearer way to put it than that. Actually, um, yeah, no, that's fine. Yeah, but it's it's interesting. Like the 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 the, the specific beats become first. You know, Rocco's being harassed by his cranky neighbor, Mr. Big Head, who gets bitten. And he's giving Rocco a hard time for not wanting to be connected and not wanting to be on social media and not using this app to keep from bumping into, literally bumping into strangers on the street. Um, And then Rocco's like in his house and he's practicing meditation and he's growing a garden and he's just kind of ignoring the, not even, it goes beyond being self-care to just being ignoring the world around him. Right. Um, It moves from being, taking care of himself to just completely unplugging and mm-hmm. avoid it becomes avoidance right um and then he does connect with heifer and heifer's like yeah i haven't checked in on my family but i haven't heard that they're not fine and rocco's like look you need to get off 
the computer and go do this and be a person, which is kind of hypocritical for him anyway. But then Heifer does, and he goes and he checks and he gets bitten, and suddenly, like, A, he, he Heifer puts on this, like, rebroadcast of an earlier stream he had done where he's talking about feeling isolated, and he can't get a hold of Rocco, and he can't get a hold of Filbert, and he's asking anyone, hey, if you see these guys, let me know, and let me know they're okay. And the whole thing was kind of Heifer's version of coping because he didn't know what to do. And Rocco's pushed him in this way that ends up endangering him because he's gone too far. So now, I mean, now this sets up the rest of the series, which is Rocco trying to find a cure before Heifer totally turns. But it's, 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 it does have that kind of layered, bittersweet Mark Russell thing going on. And it's, I mean, I guess I've said Mark Russell's name about six different times now. I should probably name Anthony Birch, who is the writer on this. Um, I, I liked the Rocco's Modern Life series before this that ran eight issues. Uh, but this is different. I see why this is its own contained thing and not a continuation of that. Um, and it does feel like something that exists in a specific way after something like Flintstones or Snagglepuss. Okay, so cool. It's really cool. How about Bronze Age Boogie number one, Brian? <laughs> And um, now for something completely different? Yes. Um, this is Kung Fu Hustle in a comic book. This <laughs> is... Um, yeah, this is uh, this is a big mess in the be- all the best ways. Um, we get uh, a a post. We get the secret society who is you know clearly supposed to be reacting or taking care of the world that's like in its decline, like it's kind of been gutted over time, and like so there, we only see like three members left, right? Yeah. We have uh, we have Go Go Golem, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Doc Lunar, and Madam Ape, who is. <laughs> Uh, the leader who is in like a wheelchair and yes, and is the chimpanzee from Planet of the Apes, essentially. <laughs> um, uh, and then we get thrown back in time to uh, to see Britta Constantina, who is very clearly a Red Sonia esque type character, daughter of King Dommel, but she's like like thirteen or fourteen, so mm-hmm. she's you know young teenager. Yeah. Um, but you very notice very very quickly that she's talking in modern day language um saying let's see let me see if i can find um i I really want to find a good uh good example of um i'll say this dad is one righteous swordsman (laughs) (laughs) he once gutted a giant squid in just a loincloth and a pair of birkenstocks (laughs) was he wearing the loincloth and birkenstocks or were the squid was the squid i i I, you know what it really probably could have been either one But, so clearly that's something going on, and then she gets back to her tent, and we see this secret, like, personal box that she has that she opens up that has, like, a pair of fuzzy dice in it, and, um, you know, a, a, one of the bobbing bird uh-huh. desk things, and, like, the, yeah, so, yeah, then we see, um, after her dad leaves, we see a character called Sniffer Ape come out, who is another chimpanzee who talks and is talking to her, and clearly he's some, from some point in the future and he's wearing this lovely like polyester wide collar <laughs> shirt under a vest and so like it, yeah and then aliens show up in both timelines and this it is, is starting it to is, sound like you're describing a weird dream you had last night it is it is that's what i said it is the weirdest hot mess in the best way it can be so are you gonna read number two? Oh, i will definitely <laughs> read number two yes excellent yes. you know what even more than kung, kung fu it's kung fury and a comic book is what it is. <laughs> Even awesome. Yes, yes. All right, time for Is It Still Good? All right, let's do it. Black Hammer 45, number two, Brian. Uh, we get more backstory about what actually happened to the squadron uh, in in their last mission. Adventures of the Super Sons, number nine, Brian. Um, the Super Sons visit Old West World and rescue robot Jonah Hex. <laughs> Deathstroke, number 42, Brian. Um, Slade enjoys the comforts of the Titans, of the Teen Titans lair while they're out and about. (laughs) Female Furies, number three, Brian. Um, we learn a different side of why Granny truly is the worst. Green Lantern, number six, Brian. Um... How kills Adam Strange and questions which side he should be working for? Red Sonia, number three, Brian. <laughs> um, damn that Mark Russell can write. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> Did you? Um, don't fuck with old. Don't fuck with old ladies. <laughs> How about that? 
Yeah, Carol Danvers. Paper Girls, number 27, Brian. Ooh, um, I kind of know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> How's that? What a twist! <laughs> I mean, there are only three issues left, so it's about yeah. damn time. It's issue 27. There's three issues after this. And finally, I get to say, I kind of know what's going on. <laughs> Age of X-Men, Prisoner X, number two, Brian. Um, uh, Bishop and Beast come to a bit of an understanding. And Bishop probably gets a little more insight, but I don't know if it'll do him any good. Amazing Spider-Man, number 18. Point HU, Brian. Uh, we get the so each of the I fi- I have now figured out each of these HU issues are it's going about a to different be villain. Yes, yeah. This is about uh the Gibbon, which is a character I don't know that I had ever even heard of before. This really makes me hope we're going to get one for Walrus Man. Um, but yeah, it's his history and you know about how he was married to Python for a while. Um, uh, and kind of you know the decisions that he made. So, yeah, it, it really is a history of some of these lesser-known characters, or at least this one definitely is. Um, it, you get probably two or three touchstone points from the main series as far as timing mm-hmm. and, and where things happen. Um, and, yeah, it's just a really sad story. Avengers, now at home, number eight, Brian. <clears throat> um... Hulk becomes Nix's champion of the day. Hulk becomes Dayman. <laughs> Champions number four, Brian. Um, oof, oof. Um, Kamala and Miles are completely honest with each other about what is going on and what has happened. And there's probably what would be predictable fallout from that. While Sam, um, well, um, I don't want to say, well, okay. While Nova goes to get back what is his. Deadpool number 11, Brian. Do you remember the issue a little while back where Jen said that um, Deadpool created the Batman of the Marvel Universe? I mean, I remember reading it and that I also said that. That was the first issue of this run. Yes, it was. And here we are, what, ten issues later? Yep. Okay, there you go. Has has Deadpool just tried shouting Martha at him to see if that works? He has not tried that yet. Domino, hot shots, number two. Brian. Oh, I'm sorry, I missed that you said shots. I thought you just said Domino hot and that was... <laughs> just for that reaction that's why i do it as alex puts his hands to his face and rubs his eyes yes <laughs> um domino and her new team versus wade wilson cool next week's books to read there next week's books to read Woohoo! yep <laughs> all right so we have one book shared between us we each have a separate book on our lists yes it will come as a shock to nobody especially that, me <laughs> especially brian that we both want to read War of the Realms Journey into Mystery number one nicely done sir nicely done Brian <laughs> yes why am read book McElroy's ah. McElroy's am why read book yes yeah uh, yeah yeah this this is this is the Adventure Zone boys Trace Horny boys might say <laughs> and their alter egos writing a comic and I can't wait to read this yeah this is gonna be fantastic actually I preview dropped sometime in the last couple of days and i've heard really positive buzz for it i haven't let myself read it because i just want to go into this yeah um and we've talked about this book before on the show but it's going to be so very very good yeah these the, uh, here's the thing if you've listened to any of their stuff the they know how to tell a story and make it enjoyable yeah I, I, and that's what it takes that's like i can't imagine a big dumb fun comic from anybody better well and like, like that's what they tell it's big big dumb fun stories I mean, the reason I started listening to podcasts was my brother, my brother, and me. Yeah. Part of the reason why we were like, we should start a comics podcast, all the comics stuff aside was like, well, it would be fun to do something like that. Mm-hmm. It would be fun to, you know, be idiots into a microphone for longer during the day than we'd originally planned once and, a week. And talk about Hawk Mace people and, yes, and Staros and, yes, all of those fun tropes that we now yes. have, yes. Um, smooth boys. Smooth boys. Mm. <laughs> But yeah, so like that's that's you know the the circle turns right. It does. Uh, next up, 
Brian Azzarello has a an erotic comic about magic and self-discovery called Faithless that is new from Boom Studios starting this week, a five-issue miniseries, and I'm excited for that. Very cool. And Brian, you have Fair Lady number one on your list. I do. This is an image book by Brian Shermer, um, and this is, uh, we talked about this, I remember, in solicitations, yep. where uh, kind of after the big epic fantasy war is over, right? Um, what happens? And one of the one of the quote fair man comes back and, a, after the war. One might even become, say fair men. They they <laughs> might, but yeah, uh, to become what's essentially a specially licensed private investigator. But she is not a man so she becomes the first ever fair lady and that is um yeah it sounds kind of cool and i want to read about it i mean it's got mystery it's got private eye stuff it's got you know people breaking expected norms i like all that stuff that is awesome i am down with that yeah all right anything else brian before we go uh no shaw's shazam yesterday it was fun i it's it's just see it still it is just a fun fun show yeah that's all i'll say yeah it's fun um i might go maybe i'll go wednesday i don't have anything going on wednesday evening as far as i know there you go yeah all right we would like to thank chase parker for our intro voiceover we're available wherever you listen to podcasts and on our website at panelologypodcast.com if you would like to support us you can rate and review us on itunes you can share us with a friend or you can go to patreon.com slash panelology and uh in a very financially generous way or a very generous way financially is probably the better way to put that it's a better support us every month if you would rather get a shirt or something with our logo on it you can do that at bit.ly slash panelology merch capitalize the p and the m in panelology merch if you would like more of Jin and me and in one episode brian you can listen to minds at yerk our bi-weekly reread podcast about anamorphs that's it that's all that's it for me i'm alex and i'm brian and we'll see you next time go read comics